0: In the old hymn, the church is one foundation, the lyrics open with incredible news. The Church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water in the word. From heaven, he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood, he bought her and for his life, he died. This Good Friday service, we get to rejoice in those good words, those good news, that incredible news that Christ came from heaven seeking out his bride, that he gave up his life, his own blood to buy her, to rescue her for her life, the church, for the redeemed he died. And what an incredible Experience that we can have in the tender mercy of God and knowing that the cost of forgiveness, the cost of forgiveness was mighty, that the gift of redemption is free, and the joy of what we receive lasts forever. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 26, otherwise, the words will. Be on the screen as we consider the night in which Jesus Christ was betrayed and just hours later into the next day, he was nailed to a cross and how what looked to be defeat actually brought about victory, actually brought about the fulfillment of what God purposed to do in all of history. Jesus has some important words that night and we're going to consider just a few of them together this evening. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that in your word, you reveal to us your purpose and your promise of redemption, of undoing all that was broken by sin, rescuing us and restoring us by the redeeming work of your Son, Jesus. And as we remember and reflect upon that tonight, here this Good Friday, I pray that you would do a good work in our hearts, that right now we would indeed experience your tender mercy for us and our forgiveness that was fully paid for by your Son, Jesus. And so, God, would pray that our hearts would be directed to Him, that our thoughts and our affections would be on Him. So help us, we pray, this night. In Christ's name, amen. The cost of forgiveness was mighty, significant, overwhelming, so much so that it took the person and work of Christ to pay for it. And as we consider our little mini-series that we've been doing starting yet last week in Palm Sunday as we looked at the hope of forgiveness, tonight we consider the cost of forgiveness, and I hope that you join with us on Sunday morning for uh, for the joy of forgiveness. But right now, as we consider the cost of forgiveness, what we need to see and wrestle with in our thoughts and our affections is that the cost of forgiveness is fully paid. That we have good news, incredible news, that it is paid in full. And not only that, that that paid in full comes to us freely, that it is freely received. And when we consider the cost of forgiveness being fully paid and freely received, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ in our place, it will then be forever enjoyed. In this life now and forevermore. We know now what we will know in full. Because the cost has been paid. Paid in full. And so will our joy be. So let's consider that together. Tonight as we look at this moment. In which Christ is with his disciples. In a very intimate and very real last supper And he says to them some striking words about who he is and what he's about to do. Let's first consider that the cost of forgiveness is fully paid. It's fully paid by a sacrificial death. That the body and blood of Christ are instrumental in paying our debt. During the Last Supper in which they're celebrating the Passover meal, Jesus' words expand the significance of that Passover meal. His body delivered, His blood shed in the place of sinners. That's what He's saying. He's foreshadowing what He would soon endure on the cross. That the only means and the only hope and the only way to satisfy the penalty due for our sin was going to be by Him, shedding his blood as we considered last week why would god move into such action and we see that underneath all of this that we find the tender mercy of god as our means of forgiveness the deep affection of god moved into action and that action is here in the person and work of jesus The action of Jesus to give his body, his blood in our place is the tender mercy of God on full display. So when we think of Good Friday, we we certainly think of the weightiness of what this day represents as we reflect and remember Christ died in our place. A death occurred, the death of the one who brought life. And yet, our, our, our inclination to be somber and sad because of the weightiness of the cost being paid needs to be replaced with an overwhelming joy because it was done by the tender mercy of God who with deep affection moved to rescue us. As if that wasn't enough of a reason. 1 John 4.10 says, And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And how does He display that love for us? He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And you're like, what? Big word, strange word. Simply means Satisfaction. Meaning in Jesus' life lived for us and death in our place. He satisfied all that was required because of our sin. He satisfied all the penalty, all the debt, all of it. He satisfied it in full. And he did so in such a way that fulfilled all of God's promise and his purpose for all of history. He says that he does it, for this is my blood of the covenant. And covenant is an interesting word, another one of those interesting words. A covenant is basically a super intense, significant promise committed together by two parties. In fact, in the Bible, it was mostly bound by blood from a sacrifice, Because if you broke the covenant that you were making, if you broke that super intense, significant promise that you were making together, that the blood of that sacrifice in the moment of making that covenant was representative of the blood that you would give for breaking that covenant. Because if you broke it, it would cost you your blood. And there was a scene in Exodus Chapter 24, after the people were rescued and delivered out of Egypt, before they were to be people in the promised land, they covenanted with God. In Exodus 24, 8, we see Moses in this ceremony took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that is that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And yet, God's people failed that covenant again and again and again and again and again. Throughout the pages of your Bible, throughout the pages of history, God's people failed again and again and again. And so much so that as the Bible unfolds, this idea of covenant also unfolds further and expands and grows. And it it reaches a zenith, if you will, toward the end of your Old Testament in the books that are called the Prophets. And specifically in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, we see God say some very incredible words. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Both those terminology, house of Israel, house of Judah, referring to God's redeemed people. That he would make a new covenant. There would be something that comes along that overcomes and undoes this cycle of failure again and again and again. And it is the person and work Of Christ. It is Jesus and His blood that secures for us our forgiveness, that keeps the covenant, if you will. And as the people of God failed again and again, instead of their blood, instead of our blood, Jesus. Gave his. That's an overwhelming moment. Your failure comes with a cost, but it won't be your blood. It will be mine. Jesus says here in this Passover meal, this last supper with his people. It will not cost you your blood. It will cost mine. I will give up my blood for your breaking of the covenant. Why? Well, just as Matthew 26, 28 goes on to say, it's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The cost is fully paid. The promise is fully kept. Forgiveness is fully secured because Jesus pours out his blood in our place. Without Jesus, there is no hope of forgiveness because there's no way that we could pay the cost. There's no way that we could honor that covenant, that promise. We failed. So Jesus, who didn't fail ever, not once, took that perfect life, laid it down, sacrificed it in our place, and paid for us failures. paid in full paid in full not only is it paid in full but the cost of forgiveness is also freely received freely received there are three imperatives that is three command verbs in this passage that we read from Matthew 26 take, eat, drink Take, eat, and drink. Those are the, those command verbs that Jesus says. And, at, and we find them in verses 27 and 28. Take, eat, this is my body. And then again, drink of it, all of you. He's, he's commanding them and speaking to them out of an imperative. But at the heart of these commands is grace. That's the thing that's incredible about this. These commands are given to sinners. They're given to the weary. To the lost, to the worn down, to the broken, the faint hearted, the sunk down, the despairing. Not those who've got everything figured out, not those whose lives are perfect. They're, 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 they're all put together and there's no flaws in them. No, that, that command is going to those who are sunk down take, eat, drink. And it comes to us, this freely received, comes to us by grace. That's the first thing that we see here. These commands come by grace. We didn't merit this. We didn't earn this. Jesus didn't look at these 12 and then to his people like us down the road through scripture and say, Yeah, you're at church. Good job. We'll, we'll put that in the, uh, the, the divine you know, poster board in the sky. You get a little gold star in that little square. You made it to the Good Friday service in 2022. Good job. No, no, this is by grace that he says these words. He says it to a group of people who very soon were going to bail on him. By grace, the cost of forgiveness is freely received. Come and take and eat and drink. Not a call to get your life right first, to do more good than bad. Come now and take and eat and drink. There's echoes of Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 says, come you who have no money, buy and eat and drink. You who are broke down, poor, spiritually bankrupt. You who have nothing. You who would be ashamed to be in the presence of the most holy God of all, over everything. You. Yeah, you. Come on in here. Come get in on this meal with us. You who have nothing. Been dragging around a lot of guilt, regret, and shame. Come on in here. He says that to us by grace. Secondly, we find that this freely received cost of forgiveness is not only by grace, but it's through faith that the taking and the eating and the drinking is, an, is, a symbolic, is symbolic for the act of faith, that you are trusting Christ at his word, that you're trusting him at his work, you're trusting him at his sufficiency, that he really is enough for you. That He really is enough for your sins, that He really is your Savior. It's trusting Christ for salvation. It is saying that Jesus is enough. You're taking and you're eating and you're drinking is you trusting Jesus. It's pointing to that response to this gracious giving of a fully paid redemption and forgiveness. So it's freely received by grace. It's really freely received through faith, and it is freely received in Christ and Christ alone. No one or anything else can be added to what Christ has already paid. Matthew 26, 27 says, take, eat, this is my body. Verse 28 says, drink of it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant. It is Christ and Christ alone that we trust. Nothing else can be added to that. If we had to add anything to what Christ has secured for us, then Christ isn't enough and you're wasting your time. Find something else to do with your life. If Christ isn't a hundred percent the only reason for your forgiveness, but He is at the center of God's promise for redemption, is Christ alone fulfilling that promise? But we get ourselves twisted up sometimes when we think of this. Can't be. Can't be a, can't be Christ. It's got to be like ninety-seven percent Christ and three percent me. I gotta, I gotta bring something to the table. It, it it grates at us, maybe even. Well, two things happen when we get knotted up like that. One, we sometimes busy ourselves under the chase of religious performance. We. Busy ourselves, we get ourselves so worked up, so anxious over every minutia of our lives that we feel so like exhausted and knotted up and twisted up, busy, frenetic, living, feeling as if we're chasing a standard that we can't quite reach, but we have to keep chasing it or God is going to be upset with us. So we knot ourselves up with this busyness. Or, we look at all that, we don't busy ourselves, we actually bury ourselves under the shame of our religious performance, under the shame of our thoughts, and the actions, and the words, and the ways in which we live. We bury ourselves under heaps and mounds of regret, and shame, and guilt, and we say, there's no way God would ever welcome someone like me. We either busy ourselves or we bury ourselves. If you are a busybody or a buried one, you are saying in either one of those actions, Christ is not enough. You're saying Christ is not enough that you have to add something to it. Or you're saying Christ isn't enough even for a sinner such as you, that you're too far off for him. And yet, here, Christ is in this meal and soon after on the cross and soon after that in his resurrection is saying, I am more than enough. It is Christ alone. It is Christ alone. And it is freely received by grace through faith In Christ. So you don't have to busy yourself chasing something you will never get. And you don't have to bury yourself under sin and shame. That Christ has with tender mercy, deep affection, moved into action. Has come down. To pay for. Don't bury yourself. Christ was buried for you. But he didn't stay buried. That leads us to consider the fact that what we are remembering and reflecting upon and rejoicing over is that the cost of forgiveness is fully paid, freely received, and thirdly, forever enjoyed. It is forever enjoyed, my friends. What we find here is a moment in which we can anticipate a forever feast. There's a kingdom yet to come. And here in this moment, Jesus gives His people a reminder. He gives them an indicator of what He's about to accomplish and and a reminder to, to remember what He's accomplished, but also a taste of a greater joy yet to come. Verse 29 says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We go on, and we are going to here in a few moments participate in communion, we're going to take and eat and drink. We're going to do that. And we, we, we do that. The church has done that historically, remembering and reflecting and doing those things so that we don't lose sight of the cost that was paid and, and this overwhelming salvation that has been secured for us. But Jesus is saying it's not just a look back. It's also a look forward. It's an anticipation of a forever joy. Because when Jesus returns, there will be a great feast with all the redeemed. There will be a great celebration. There will be food. There will be drink. There will be joy. A joy because there is no more sin. A joy because there is no more death. A joy because there is no more Satan. No more evil. No more shadow. No more. No more reason to busy yourselves or bury yourselves. No more. There will be a joy forevermore. And so, when we take and we eat and we drink, we look forward to that forever feast. That forever party. That forever celebration. That forever joy. That sin and grave and Satan are no more. Why? Because the cost is fully paid, freely received, and forever enjoyed. But that isn't just it for us, though. It's not just that we have this great glorious day to anticipate, though that is important and we are to anticipate. You know, our days now are filled with all kinds of struggles and challenges. There's joys and hardship. There's gain and loss. And we all experience that day in and day out in this broken world. And, and God is so good. He's so kind. He, he calls us to look back and remember and look forward and anticipate so why? So that we have strength and joy in our right now. In our right now. So, so as we see, it's not just a forever joy we get to anticipate, but we get to taste that forever joy right now. It's joy now and forevermore. And that's where we read verse 30 of Matthew 26. A very confusing moment in which Jesus is saying, my body and my blood, I'm, there's something that's about to go down After just saying, one of y'all is going to betray me. So I'm sure the disciples were very confused. What in the world is going on? And yet in the midst of a confusing, overwhelming moment and world and crisis, what did they do? And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sung. They sung. They sung a hymn. It was common to do during the Passover. In fact, there were a few select psalms, a little section of the psalms in which it was very common to sing from. They most likely, probably even, sang from Psalm 116. Consider those words, landing on the disciples' hearts a few days later, words that they may have sung that night. Words like this, for you have delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Imagine them singing that on the night that Jesus would then be betrayed. Just a few hours later, killed. And a few hours after that, buried. And then a number of hours later, Arisen, alive in the bewildering moment. And and maybe in that span of time, those 40 days that Christ spent with them after his resurrection and before his ascension, maybe one of those disciples or maybe all of them, maybe they even had a conversation about it. Remember when we sang Psalm 116? Oh my dear goodness. Friends, when we see the nature of how the cost of our forgiveness is fully paid, freely received, and forever enjoyed, it brings to us a right now joy. The dark clouds of this life can't obscure the joy of our Savior forever, can't obscure the joy we have for our Savior that you and I, even now, can sing through days of sorrow. Because Jesus paid it all. The cost of forgiveness is fully paid, freely received, and forever enjoyed. Because God made a promise. And he was going to see it all the way through. That promise in Jeremiah 31 continued and it reached a, an incredible crescendo. In verse 34 of Jeremiah 31, God says this, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. If there's anything you hear tonight, hear this. Because Jesus paid the cost, God will remember your sin no more. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can take this time tonight together, be encouraged by your word, be encouraged by your Son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and praise you for the life that you lived in our place and the death that you took in our place. God, your promise and your purpose to bring about a redemption for sinners such as us is overwhelming and staggering. Jesus, your sufficiency to secure that is overwhelming and staggering. Holy Spirit, I thank you for working in our miserable hearts, bringing life where there was death, sight where there was blindness, hope where there was despair. And God, I pray that, that you would do that even now. That if there's anyone with us tonight whose heart has been hard and far and calloused. Knotted up with busyness, buried deep because of shame. God, whatever it might be, would you reach down and would you pour out your tender mercy. And may that heart be made alive and experience your tender mercy. Knowing that the cost of their forgiveness is fully paid. In Jesus Christ. Would you do that we ask. To your glory. To our good. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.